Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. How y'all doing? It's the day after Christmas. You have only 364 more days of shopping. So uh, we are glad that you are here. My name is Sean Struckmeyer. I am the worst, uh, executive pastor of worship. Normally you see me leading worship. Today I get to bring the word to you. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be here. Uh, <laughs> I hope, man, I hope that you guys all had a good, restful, meaningful Christmas. I have four kids from 11 to 23, and I love watching them open gifts. It's one of my most favorite things to do, to sit in the corner and to watch them open gifts. And, uh, but when we f- first had kids, they would get up at like five o'clock in the morning. So my wife had this brilliant idea about 15 years ago. She said, you are more than welcome, we talked about it, you're more than welcome to come into our room and wake us up. It has to be 6.30 or later, and you have to stand at the foot of our bed and sing Jingle Bells in a whisper. It was great. So I've woken up the past 15 years to Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle It's the best way to wake up on Christmas. But welcome to church. We're glad you're here. Blue Springs Independence Church Online, we're glad that you're here kicking off. Well, almost ready to kick off a new year, but uh, I hope that you're Christmas was restful. And for those of you who do have young kids, I hope that you get a a nap this afternoon. That's my prayer for you is that you get a nap. So uh, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, I want to tell you a story. And there is an amazing story in the Old Testament in a book called Esther. You may have read it. You may not have read it. uh, But it is a story, I believe, that is for all of us. And in every story, there is a villain, and there is a hero, right? In this particular story, Haman is the villain, and Esther, well, she's the hero. This gate where he stood had become his friend. It was a gate in the shadow, it was cold, it was, it was nice to rest his cheek upon the gate on a hot day, and this was a hot day. It was one of those days where the, the, the heat would swirl up around you and kick dust everywhere and it would settle on your feet. And on this particular day, a bead of sweat rolled down to the tip of his nose and dripped to the top of his foot. And it was only then that he could see how dirty he really was. And he stood there and he contemplated and he thought and he hoped. It wasn't an act of defiance so much as it was an act of protection and of of commitment. You see, his cousin was on the other side of the gate making a request to the king. And this request could lead to her death. So he waited. And it was only option he knew of was to stand there and to wait. Not too far from her, just outside the gate. 
You see, this girl had no father. She had no mother. She had no family. He was her family. He was her protector. He was a Jew. And his name was Mordecai. Her name was Esther. And she was like a child to him. He cared for her as she grew. He fed her. He taught her. He loved her like a father. But he knew there would be a day when she wouldn't be there any longer. But he could never have dreamed that it would have been so quickly and in this particular fashion. You see, Jews, well, they had always been a second-rate people. His family had known no difference. They'd been carried into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were captive. Real freedom, like, like what you and I experienced, that was a dream for Mordecai. The queen, Queen Vashti, well, she was, she was gone. The, the question swirled around why she wasn't around any longer, but, but she was gone, and as soon as the questions came, they went. Esther, his beautiful cousin, was also gone now. She, see, she was being presented to the king as a potential for the new queen. Queen Esther, what a name. He could have never imagined that. You see, he had tried to keep it a secret that he was a Jew uh, for some time, and he was successful for, for a lot of time. He was successful, but each time that Haman came, the king's right-hand man, it became increasingly more and more difficult for him because, you see, he would not bow to Haman. The officials asked him to bow, but Mordecai wouldn't because he had another king. He knew who his allegiance was. It was to the king, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, and the God of Abraham. This was his God. This was his king. See, he had heard the stories of God and how he had showed up for his people. Yeah, he had heard of parting seas. He, he had heard of tablets coming down off of a mountain inscribed with the hand of God. He had heard about an ark. He had heard about the stories, the stories of rescue, the faithfulness of God. But his heart raced as Haman was passing him. And at first he's lost in the crowd. It's easy to get lost in the crowd when everybody's standing, not so much when you're standing and everybody else is kneeling. And he looked down as he stands there while everybody's kneeling and he sees the hoof of a horse in front of him. Evidently they stopped. And as he looks up, Haman is there. And it's, it's considered unacceptable to not bow by an order of the king. And this time was different because this time Haman knew that Mordecai was a Jew. This changes everything. And he's seen the look before as Haman looks at him at disgust. Well, the pain of, of being a second-rate person. Looked down upon because of his race. And Mordecai watched as Haman leaves the dust and the heat once again kicking up 
And in Mordecai's hand, he holds a decree from the king, and he recognizes after reading it that it means the destruction for his people. See, the decree, the decree was sealed with the king's ring, and it made it legal to plunder, kill, destroy any person considered to be a Jew. What are we going to do? He places sackcloth over him, which is this, this rough goat skin of coarse hair and ashes to, de to declare that he is mourning because he doesn't know what to do. Haman had brought his revenge. See, this not bowing to Haman had enraged a simple, simple man. A man with little compassion and lots of power. And his thoughts turned to Esther. Because little did Haman know that this decree would also mean the destruction of their queen. You see, not everybody knew that she was Jew, a Jewish lady. And Mordecai looks through the gates and he can see someone coming and he sees that it's one of the queen's attendants and he says, you have to tell Esther, you have to let her know destruction's coming. She has to know. And Esther holds the decree in her hand and she sees the death sentence, the timing, the details, and she knows she has to go to the king. It's the only option. So Mordecai waits as she decides what she's going to do. I mean, her legs were his legs were weary from standing because it's not an option to do anything else. Kneeling is not okay. And he waits for Esther's reply. And this is what she says as she steps in faith and obedience and begins to wander in uncharted territory. She says this, go, gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights. I and my attendants will fast and do the same. And when this is done, I will go to the king. Even though it is against the law, I may perish. And if I perish, I perish. And Mordecai waits. And he thinks, godly obedience brings godly favor. Godly obedience. Obedience brings godly favor. You've overcome this world with love and made my fire your own. And throw fear aside And sing out into the night Cause even when the world caves Even when the fire calls Even when the wars wage I take heart I know you are greater Forever you are Savior I will sing your praise with all that I have, all that I am, Lord. 
For such a time as this, right? Obedience is costly. And I guess the question I have for you today as we look at uh, going into 2022 is this. Where are you being called to further obedience in your life? Where's the cliff that you stand on and you look down and you go, no way, this is too far. This is too much, I'm not gonna go there. I think our lives should look different as we follow Jesus. Our obedience to the things of Christ should be the hallmark of our life. So where do you let your fears drive your obedience? Because that's not how the Lord wants us to live. He wants us to live with conviction and with courage. 
right? And he says this in 2 Timothy. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's how we should live. So do you live with that in mind or do you run and do you hide? I can be a runner sometimes. We all have something that's big and scary in front of us, don't we? we every single one of us has something that is hard, but disobedience has its consequences. So are you being obedient in your marriage? What about your singleness? What about your finances, your spending, and, and what about your dreams? You know, God's laid dreams on our hearts, I think, that is only from him, and some of us haven't pursued them because we're scared. But I would encourage you to reach out and take a step of faith. What about his church here? Are you a giver? Are you a taker? Uh, are you serving anywhere? See, we say this all the time. It's one of our core values uh, that changed people serve people. I think that these are all questions that we should be asking this year as we look at a new year. And 2021 was amazing. I mean, I sat at a table with Pastor Phil just recently, and I heard him say this, and at first it was confusing. 2021 will go down as one of his favorite years ever. Not because of its challenges, but because of its life change. I mean, we see lives changed around this place all the time. And we have, we've highlighted some of those over the past few weeks as we've been in this series of WISH. You know, we've highlighted that we are pursuing an online campus and we're investing in that and seeing lives change all over the world. That we're gonna invest $150,000 into resource health to help women who find themselves in unplanned pregnancies. We gave over 1,000 Thanksgiving baskets this year. Here's, here's, some, here's some numbers that I think are really important. We've seen over 300 baptisms this year. That's pretty cool. 2,800 of you are connected in some fashion through groups in our church. And, and a number that I came across this past week that I did not know was this. Six, over 600 of you are being discipled in the truth of God's word. And we've done that in this year. That's an amazing, it, it takes all of us. You know, you've heard, you've heard Pastor Phil say this a lot. If, if we can explain it, God didn't do it. You ever heard him say that? Like a thousand times, right? It's good to be reminded of that. And we want to do more in 2022. We're going down to Crossroads. Pastor Chad's gonna help us launch down there. I'm super excited about it. It needs a gospel witness down there. You can clap for that, that's okay, right? We want, we're expanding our independence campus to afford more space to minister to a community that's deeply in need. A lot of you have jumped on board with finding your one. And you're looking, and, and that's amazing, and we want more of you to join us. We, we want you to do this to help share the gospel, maybe lead somebody to Christ, baptize them, disciple them. These are all things we're doing because they are hard, not because they're easy. And we want you to do that with us. Look, Esther was on a cliff, right? She knew she had to do something. She knew she had a decision that she had to step out in godly courage and approach a king. And Mordecai's words would convict her. And if you would turn in your Bibles, if you've got a copy of God's word here to chapter four in Esther, this is what it says in Esther chapter four, verse 13. It says this, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. 
For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Obedience is often uncomfortable. It's often uncomfortable. Who knows, but you've come to the royal such a time as this. 2013, I resigned my position at a church in Sacramento, California. Why? Because I knew that the Lord was calling us to something different. I really, I really didn't know what. My wife didn't know. We, we didn't know what was on the horizon. And I don't, um, the, maybe the best thing for some of us is not to just quit and not have something else on the, the, the next step. You know what I'm saying? That's a little scary. But we had a strong desire to be where God was working. We wanted to see him move. And we knew it was time to move. And honestly, it was really uncomfortable. But we felt that the Lord was saying, take a step, trust me. And so we did. And so we left deep, meaningful friendships. We left, as much as you hate California here, we left California. There's some great places. Lake Tahoe is awesome. We go hiking in the Sierra Nevadas. You call it Nevada, which I don't understand. But, uh, and we'd put together a list. We'd put together a list of what we were looking for. Lists don't always turn out like you think they do. So we had this list. We want to either stay in California, maybe the West Coast. We didn't want to be any further east than Colorado. Uh, we wanted to be within a day's drive of home, which was, a, you know, 12 hours or so. And we didn't want any tornadoes. So, <laughs> here we sit today, and we are closer to the East Coast than the West Coast, right? We're uh, significantly further east than Colorado. We're a three days drive to home, and you have tornado warnings here like every day. It's the <laughs> but why did we do this for such a time as this? We saw God working here, and we wanted to be a part of it. Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, if you've ever read it, it's a great book, says this, look for where God is moving, and then join him. So in 2014, packed up our family, got in our car, drove here, got here January 4th. It was minus 27 and six inches of snow, and I'm driving to church, all, swerving all over the road in my rear, view, rear drive vehicle, for such a time as this. <laughs> and you know what? Things are different now than they were then. When I came, we had one campus, which was right over here. We had seven services. Today we have four campuses, soon to be five, nine services. We've seen the church move in a real positive direction in reaching lives and, and, and being a real strong teaching church to a real strong worshiping and teaching church, which we're thankful for. But there, and, and some, some other things have changed. My hair has changed color a bunch of times. Um, surprisingly, Phil's has not changed at all, which is weird. But, you know, God is moving, and we're so thankful to be here, and we're so thankful that you are part of it, so we moved. And this is what we learned, that uncomfortableness of obedience is, uh, forces us to rely on God's spirit. And what I've found in obedience in my own life 
is that there are some things that are really easy to obey and there are other things that are really, really hard to obey. And it reminds me of, of what Paul said in Romans, right? When he says, for the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the evil I will not to do, I do. Even he struggled with it. And it's easy, and more, it's more difficult to be obedient at times because it's easy to explain it away. Maybe you're like, the, I can talk myself out of anything. But godly obedience brings godly favor. Amen. And I want that. I, I don't know who wouldn't want God's favor on your life. I mean, you want to test your obedience to Jesus? Then follow him and do what he says. That's hard. Love those who are unlovable. It's easy to love those who are kind and nice, but love those who are unlovable. Be generous, bless others, stand for him when others won't. Spiritual maturity, I've heard, is, is not reached by the passing of years, but by the obedience to the will of God. So it's not how much you know, how much Bible, I mean, I've met so many people who know so much Bible, but don't do what it says, it makes no sense to me. And, and this, a life of faithful obedience is making one godly decision after another. So let's say you go on vacation, right? You go on vacation, let's say Hawaii. I'll go to Hawaii, that sounds like a good vacation. You get on the plane, right? You get to Hawaii, you land and you look out the window and it's beautiful and you think, I ain't going out there, it is dangerous. So you, you get your hammer. There's sharks in the water, you know? You know what I'm saying? I am not going out there. It's too scary. So you miss out on the beauty. People drown in the ocean. But maybe you're sensing that God's calling you to do something else. Maybe, um, maybe you're sensing that you need to be more generous. All right. And you think to yourself, man, I've been generous enough. I've given enough money to this person. I've cared enough for this person monetarily, and I just can't do it anymore. And the blessing that can come from being obedient to what God's called you to, you miss. Maybe God's calling you to be more faithful in his word, right? So you, you, you look at how dangerous it is to follow what God says and what his word says, and, and you, you decide not to do it. And you, once again, you nail your feet to the ground and say, no further, I'm not going. The truth is, obedience is hard. But let me tell you what, what happens. Godly obedience brings godly favor. I believe that with all my heart. But godly obedience does not necessarily mean a favorable outcome for you. Right? I mean, the truth is, honestly, Esther was probably the exception to the rule here. Being obedient means that you're going to probably grieve the loss of a loved one at some point. It, it may mean... Is you're going to be ridiculed for your stance about what you believe about God. It, it, at times, there will be times that you'll suffer. And I think of, of Christ and his obedience to the Father. 
It says this in Philippians. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Listen, listen, the greatest expression of godly obedience did not turn out all that favorably for Christ as he hung on a cross, right? But he had God's favor and it changed the entire fabric of our lives. For such a time as this, Look, trusting sometimes conflicts with our earthly wisdom. Sometimes, sometimes everything looks like we should make this decision, and yet we have this unsettledness in our hearts, right? And instead of safety and security, God's calling us to choose trust and faith. It may look like God's calling you maybe to reconcile some relationships. Oh, that's a hard one, too. Right, because our heart's pretty fragile, right? I don't think I'm, I can't do any more with this, God. I have invested too much in this relationship. I don't want to get hurt anymore. Because, right, reconciling relationships may mean that you get hurt again. But God, God calls us to trust him. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to make you direct your paths. Are we going to do that, or are we not going to do that? We want to lean on his understanding. I want to challenge you this week to lean into godly obedience. I mean, what would, what would this week look like if tomorrow you committed every single decision to him? Not a year. We're not going to look at a year. Tomorrow. Because godly obedience brings godly favor, deeper dependency. So my question for you today is this. Where are you today in your obedience? I don't know what it looks like for you. We do know what it looks like for Esther. And it says this in Esther 4. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of, of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called... He has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live, yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. Godly obedience brings godly favor. So Esther took her, her first step. The beauty of this courtyard, I'm sure, conflicted with the horror of the moment for her. Her robes, I'm sure, were flowing in the wind as the heat is swirling. Again, her legs were heavy and anxious. Her heart was beating. Her hands were shaking. These steps could be her last. They may be steps that never return to the home that she knew. But remember, she is a Jew. And her ancestors knew what being homeless felt like. Slavery, wandering in a desert, this was all really super familiar territory for him. Yet through the tears, she's thinking, godly obedience brings godly favor. And so she walks. And this is what it says in chapter seven. So the king and Haman went to dine with the queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition, queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at 
my petition, and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And what this does, this act of obedience, it really brings a city to its knees, a kingdom to its knees. It brings Haman to be impaled on a pole. It, it brings Mordecai to power and honor to Esther. Her obedience brings a triumph for the Jews. What is your cliff today? Where, where can you walk that is maybe a bit more precarious, not reckless, but a place where you've got to trust deeper and cling tighter to Jesus for such a time as this. Get a little closer to the edge. Find a little deeper water this year. What does it look like for your week to week to be more obedient to Jesus? What changes do you need to make? Maybe obedience for you is a better attitude. I know some around me who could have a better attitude. Maybe it's a secret sin that some of you are harboring and you need to bring it to light. Maybe God's calling you to a more missional life. Maybe it's being more generous with your family, more gracious, more kind. Maybe it's as simple as you not getting drunk this Friday night at the New Year's Eve party. For some of you, it's simple faith. Accepting Jesus as Savior, look, none of us are beyond his reach. None of us are beyond his grasp. Romans says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You're worth it. Godly obedience brings godly favor. Look, I don't want this nailed to this table <laughs> to define your 2022. Do not let fears block your obedience. Don't let the fear of following Jesus and what he's calling you to keep you from doing the things that he's called you to do. Don't let fear drive your obedience. Let this drive your obedience this year. Amen. Esther's changed an entire generation of people. Maybe your obedience today will change your family. Maybe it'll change your kids. Maybe it'll change your marriage. Godly obedience changes everything. So commit tomorrow, commit the next minute to making a godly decision. Why don't you stand with me? We're gonna spend a little moment in worship and response as we close out our service today. And as we worship, I wanna invite you to think and ponder and reflect on the goodness and faithfulness of God in your life and to commit to him the next day, the next week, to making decisions that honor him. And may that be the hallmark of your 2022.
Clear this together over our lives, over our families. Sing my life, be lifted high in our world, be lifted high in our love, be lifted high. Yes, Jesus.
That's the desire of our hearts, to be where you are. To lift your name above our fears. For you to be lifted high and to be glorious and great in our lives. For us to live in response to who you are, in response to everything that you've done. So God, would you give us the faith today? Would you give us the grace today? Because without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do the impossible. And so God, we put our faith and our hope and our trust in you because we believe that you are who you say that you are. And we know there's joy on the other side of our faith. So God, I pray that you continue to challenge us, to help shape our mindset. God, would you take hold of our hearts and our lives and would you be everything to us? Would you flow in and through us the way that you desire to? And God, would you get all the glory and the honor as we exist to see lives changed by you all around us and to be living proof of your love to the world that's watching. In the name of Jesus, we worship and we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him praise one more time. Hope that you've been inspired today. You're challenged as you look ahead to next year. Just praying and believing God's gonna do big things. He's on the move and we're excited to be a part of it. So go now. We'll see you next year, next Sunday. All right, have a happy new year. Merry Christmas again. We love you, church. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.